Nicolas Bornois of Capital Link. Today's uh, uh, first day of our forum, uh, to a large extent, has been uh, dedicated to uh, to crewing to the human element. And uh, it is very fitting that uh, we are concluding with a panel that is going to showcase uh, a number of very important in initiatives that aim to alleviate uh, the uh, uh, the crisis for the seafarers and provide to them sustainable uh, well-being and well-care. And uh, we're delighted to have Mark uh, Cameron uh, from Ardmore Shipping, uh, who has actually spearheaded uh, very recently an international uh, initiative to raise funds to support uh, these initiatives. Uh, so Mark, I will let you introduce uh, our uh, panelists. Again, I'd like to thank you. And uh, from Capital Link, uh, we are very proud uh, and very privileged to have the opportunity to contribute in a little way as we can to raise more awareness for your very worthy causes uh, and objectives. So Mark, Andrew, Catherine, and Vishnu, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity and thank you very much for, for such a warm welcome. And uh, it's a great way to close off the day. And certainly when you look at the uh, the panels that you've had earlier on in the day today factored a lot around the human factor, the crewing needs, and uh, the crewing the crisis continues. And uh, the, certainly the session just before this, titled uh, Fighting in the Trenches, kind of brings home, I think, a lot of the reality about what, what people have been experiencing. But to look at it from the perspective of the charities, and we were talking about fighting in the trenches just, just as we were in the warm-up session here, and it really has been for me an eye-opening opportunity just to understand how complex and how difficult, but how uplifting um, the, the, the charity side um, of this, this crisis has been. And I'm not going to introduce the individuals because I think their bios are, are all you know, well represented. Um, but Catherine, if I can come to you first in, this, in the Seafarers Charity. Um, this is, was, of course, formerly the uh, Seafarers UK, and very timely, I think you've, you've changed the title to reflect more the international stature of, of your organization. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about how you know, the pandemic has affected your, your everyday life in terms of the charity and the work that you do? Uh, thanks, Mark. Um, well, I think, I mean, it's actually really difficult to imagine what life was like before the pandemic, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, certainly, we're fortunate to be able to work from home. Um, so that's, that's what we've done. Um, and we, uh, as well as the SURF Fund, the, the Seafarers International Relief Fund, um, last year, we released an additional £2 million worth of charity funds from our reserve to support other charities in the sector. Um, for those that don't know, the Seafarers Charity, um, rather, actually rather similarly to um, the Surf Fund, was originally set up by um, shipbrokers in London to support um, losses sustained in the First World War. So it's rather fitting actually that the, the Surf Fund is actually led by the maritime industry as well. We're a grant giving organization, so we don't actually do delivery, but we have that overview and work with a wide range of partners like my colleague here, Andrew from Mission to Seafarers, um, where we, we look at what services to provide for seafarers. Um, and over um, responding to COVID, that has been by supporting initiatives like online chaplaincy, MiFi support, and of course, also doing some advocacy. It's tremendous. It's, and it's such a great, 
array of services within there. Andrew, you've been uh, Secretary General, I believe, of the Mission to Seafarers since I think it's 2013. Yep. So um, you'd certainly had your feet well under the table before this came around. What surprises have you seen and what sort of consistency of expectations have you realised? Well, it has been undoubtedly, Mark, it's been the most extraordinary period of my of my leadership of the mission. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really has thrown up um, challenges the like of which we've probably never seen. I mean, the mission to seafarers is 165 years old now. And I think outside wartime, we've probably never experienced a year or more than a year now like we have this time around. I mean, for those of you who don't know the work of not just the mission to seafarers, but the other missions around the world as well, um, you'll know that our work is focused at, in ports. And, and at the mission, we have um, over 200 ports around the world where we operate. Um, and in normal times, we're visiting ships. Um, we are providing, we have 120, more than 120 hospitality centers that seafarers can get to. We're providing transport services so that seafarers can get from the ships to uh, the center or to local facilities, communities. Um, and, and of course, all of that has been put under huge pressure. I mean, most of our centers have had to close for large chunks. And of course, seafarers haven't been able to take shore leave in many cases, which has been really, really difficult for them. Um, and, uh, we, and so our work has had to change radically. Um, and I am, I've been incredibly impressed with our, the way our teams have responded very creatively. And, and, the, and the focus of our activity in port has been ongoing ship visiting where ports have allowed us to do that, which thankfully they have in many cases, visiting ships at the gangway only in a distanced way. So we maintain some face-to-face -face work. Um, and we and a key element has been the delivery of of supplies because seafarers have been unable to get all the things they would normally pick up in port, including sometimes medicine. And of course, because so many seafarers are working beyond long beyond their contract ends, things like blood pressure medicines or even you know HIV stuff. Um, had run out. So we were doing quite a bit of that sort of supply. Uh, and just basic things that they need, you know, just the chocolates and the crisps and the, the, the phone cards and so on. Uh, and one chaplain I talked to last week has just, just delivered 27 pairs of shoes to one ship who were getting pretty desperate, which is a top effort, actually get 27 and pairs of shoes in the right sizes. So in port, um, a lot of our work has been focused around that. And we've been very keen to keep some element of distance face-to-face -face work going. And beyond that, of course, um, a lot of our work has been around uh, digital. We've created a new facility, Chat to a Chaplain, which has enabled us to reach out to seafarers who we haven't been able to see face-to-face, -face, listen to their problems, perhaps signpost them to somewhere where they can get help. Um, we have a range of other digital services as well. So this has completely changed the way in which we've had to approach our work. Again, it's put our, a lot of our local centres under enormous pressure. And we are incredibly grateful to the way that Catherine and the Seafarers Charity and other um, shipping-related charities have stepped up, and we are incredibly grateful to Mark, to the shipping industry, um, who really have partnered with us in a way which we've never seen before, and with a generosity which has been deeply moving. So um, it has been an incredible period with fantastic, with lots of challenges, but fantastic stories to tell, and and we're emerging now into something of a changed world. That's incredible, and what what incredible you know stories to hear about the number of shoes that are required on a ship. You. You know, th those of us who are running and operating ships, you know, we, we, we sometimes lose sight of some of the, the, the realities that, that are born within what you've said. Vishnu, if I can come across to you, um, you, of course, have, have co-founded um, uh, the We Team initiative uh, with, with Synergy. 
And um, your background, I suppose, as, as a social responsibility advisor um, must be very interesting. And uh, can you give us some of your perspectives and things that you've learned as, as we've gone through these last 14, 15 months? Thank you, Mark. Uh, you know, um, WeTeam is, is a brand new sort of a project and an initiative that has just started a few months ago. Um, so what we tried to do was to learn from Synergy Marine's sort of expertise in establishing a call center called iCall, which we had partnered with a, uh, you know, institute, a social uh, uh, innovation institute out of India. We learned that it was so important to uh, make something available for seafarers to uh, kind of reach out to if they have a trouble. Now, I think COVID has literally, you know, opened our gates to uh, this huge opportunities in front of us where I almost felt that the seafarers were now laughing and telling the whole world, now you guys know what quarantine is all about. Now you know what isolation is all about. We've been doing it for forever, right? That's kind of what is happening in the ship. But now the whole world is experiencing it. And you would agree with me, Mark, that now you see a huge slew of services called meditation, well-being, and you know, mental health. All of these conversations have risen up so much in the last year and a half. Now, one of the things that we realized is that um, this issue is not a short-term thing. You know, it's not because of COVID that we need to do something. It has been a traditional problem of getting seafarers to be at their best uh, when they perform at sea. So one of the core principles that we are trying to do is that how do we establish a culture of caring and well-being at sea? So that's the core principle. So what we are trying to do now is we have launched uh, a call center, obviously a 24 by 7 helpline across two geographies now with Philippines and India. We have partnered with PTC in, uh, in Philippines and Synergy in India trying to make the system available so that anybody can call in free of cost. Now people can literally take a phone even in while they are on sea to make a free phone call to reach a trained psychologist to have a very anonymous conversation. Nothing is recorded, their names are not recorded, completely anonymous conversation. And we have now seeing a lot more people opening up and reaching out a lot more. Still not enough. This is again available for everybody free of cost, every seafarer anywhere in the world. But I think we need to really talk about changing the culture of how well-being and mental health and all of these things are seen and treated aboard a ship. Obviously, you know, at, at, at a shore, they have a lot of access, but how do we do it while they are at sea? Something we are really tackling. We can talk more about the details later on. Fantastic. Such, such, a, such an incredible initiative and, and something that's certainly very, very well needed. Uh, sadly, I, I read in, in a, um, uh, an article today, just today, that ship abandonments, according to the ITF, um, hit the record in 2020 and some $45 million in owed wages last year were, were effectively re recovered. Um, that's a staggering number when you think about it. And Catherine and I were, were talking in, in sort of the warm-up session uh, early, late last week. And, you know, the point we were talking about was that, you know, the people probably who the 45 million were, were, were you know, recovered from don't attend calls or conversations like this. Um, and it's, I, would, I would truly hope that it is the exception rather than the norm in our industry that, that treats seafarers that way. 
But I think it's important that we all acknowledge that clearly it does exist. And clearly, you know, when you are dealing with that kind of environment, you're not dealing with very nice people, let's say, to be kind. Um, you know, the seafarers themselves, how do, how do you find their resilience? How do you find that they still come back to sea after having faced a situation like that? Any, any thoughts or perspective? Yeah, I think, you know, um, there are two layers that we need to peel from this conversation, right? So one is the stigma attached to any of this, right? I think anybody who kind of even says that I'm feeling a little unwell, uh, you know, especially at sea, you know, now, nowadays, you know, when, when your child or somebody at home says, I really need to talk to a counselor, it is seen positive, right? Meaning you say, yeah, of course, you know, let me organize a session for you. But while at sea, there is a stigma saying that this guy might be unstable, right? So that is a big thing that we really need to take care of, right? So how do you kind of um, not attach anything against this person when somebody comes out and says, I need help? It's, that's, the, that's the first thing I would say. And the second thing is, you know, this whole culture of uh, the earlier, the culture traditionally has been if somebody is like, you know, behaving a little erratic at, on the ship, people would say, yeah, he'll be fine. You know, give him a couple of days. He'll be all right. But that kind of, you know, the sort of, you know, quote unquote machoism of what you're supposed to exhibit at sea is actually a layer that we need to peel out and say what really is going on inside. So I think your point is absolutely valid. You know, if there is no opportunity for people to even express what they are undergoing and they are not even able to talk about it, and they are spending a short time uh, with their families. They don't express it there either because they are really worried about, you know, affecting the finances of the family or their job opportunities. I think that's why making it anonymous and making it uh, available to a large number of people becomes even more critical. Andrew, when you frontline staff, you know, how, how are you getting this information back and collating it? If I, can, if I can just pick up, if I can just pick up on the issue of the on the abandonment thing, because there was a very powerful moment during the pandemic. We we our team in the Emirates um, was dealing with the was already dealing with the MT Iber, which many of you seen came in the news because this is the ship which had been abandoned. Many of the seafarers there for nearly for over three years, and of course during the pandemic it was washed up on the beach, dragged its anchors and washed up on the beach in, uh, in one of the nice tourist beaches of Dubai. Obviously it was an extremely powerful image of, of, um, uh, of something that's normally hidden that suddenly was made very public and, uh, and, and showed, as you say, Mark, we're talking about the sort of the nastier corner of the shipping industry. And I'm always the first to say that, you know, the vast number of ship owners who we work with are highly responsible and, and uh, you know, and, and, and some and have been doing incredible things, many of them, for their crews during this pandemic. I mean, I think to pick up Vishnu's point, I mean, there's been huge progress, I think, in the systems people have put into place, you know, access to counsellors and, 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 and people, many shipper owners and management companies have really gone the extra mile and I think that does need to be recognized and the way the shipping industries come together to try and work at the, 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 the problems of the pandemic the crew crisis particularly has been fantastic and I, and I want to say that very loud and clear but yeah we're also reminded that there are these nastier corners um, where, where there are some still deep unpleasantnesses that go on and, and uh, we've been very glad to have played our part in um, a resolution for the, the crew of, of, of that vessel but on the issue of resilience I mean I think one of the things that's become very clear during the pandemic and, and, and Vishnu's sp spoken about this already is the importance 
of building resilience in crews. Because ultimately, if you're confronted with an unexpected difficulty, as the pandemic did in big time, with people being stuck on board ships um, and, and, in, and, and in terms of other crises that can hit you at sea, it's so important that seafarers have been supported and trained in learning how to look after themselves and secondly, in how to look after each other. And sadly, you know, we have had accounts of suicides um, during the pandemic, as we do get during other times. But even, but, uh, and recognizing the signs in your colleagues, if they're, if they're showing the signs of being really troubled, knowing how to recognize those and how to deal with them seems to me an essential thing in seafaring. And I think that progress, a lot of progress has happened during the pandemic, and I applaud that in terms of resilience building. But I do hope that as we move beyond this thing, that the shipping industry won't forget that and that the lessons will be learnt and taken forward. I think that's one of the big learnings from what's happened. That's a great point. Catherine, the value of working together and collaboration in this, can you give us some insight into, you know, the, the importance of, you know, fundraising in itself is, is obviously not an easy task in good times. Um, and in times like this, the, the effect of, of working collaboratively, can you just give us some sense of, I mean, obviously, perhaps competitive nature between charities is not the right word, but there must be some sense of, of um, individuality. So the strengths of times when individuality plays to a certain situation and, the, and times when, when collaborative nature works for you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, well, I mean, I think it's completely fair to say that charities um, can be, there can be quite a lot of competition between charities and particularly on the fundraising side, because of course the pool of people that we're, um, we see as our supporters is, is actually quite low. So. I, I think that the um, Seafarers International Relief Fund is really the first time that we have come together to have this collaborative fundraising effort. Um, you know, and that is, I'm, I'm sure you'll be embarrassed by me saying that, but this, but that is you know, absolutely down to you working with the International Chamber of Shipping and encouraging us to all come together. And it's something that the Seafarers Charity um, I think have wanted to do for some time and this has been a brilliant opportunity to do that. Um, we all of course work very well collaboratively together on the delivery side. There's already very good commitment and collaboration between all of the charities. As a grant giving organisation, my team, my impact team, look at what needs to be achieved, what outcomes do we need to achieve across the maritime sector and work with our charity and delivery partners across that sector. But for example, the way in which the Seafarers International Relief Fund is working is that we have um, a work, we have our stakeholder group, which is made up of um, all of the charities, but then also yourself and a representative from three ships. Um, and that's working at a strategic level, but then at the working group level, we've got a large number of people who are coming together to understand the situation on the ground, to make sure there's none of that duplication and to ensure that we're supporting each other and learning from each other. So I think it's um, an extension of some of the work that was already gone, gone on in terms of delivery. Um, and in terms of fundraising, what a fantastic opportunity. And um, I think the um, maritime industry should be really proud of what they've already achieved in such an enormously short time, $700,000 in a month. Um, that's an extraordinary amount. Um, and so and we're very grateful for that. And we hope that we can continue that cooperation 
with the maritime industry to ensure that we can support the maritime charities which support seafarers with normal jogging activities because of course all of my colleagues at the marit at the um, delivery charities are working day in day out across the world supporting seafarers and then we've got this extra level of support that is needed as COVID has swept across India and other parts of the world. Incredible and the resilience of your staff and the, the tenacity of your staff is, 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 is beyond. Vishnu, you know in a, in a world at sea where we're getting a lot more diversity now and um, not just gender diversity but all types of diversity um, you know, are we seeing sort of a, a, a different layer of complexity um, as, as a result? And, you know, we talked about the macho culture and that, that kind of situation. Is there any sort of um, dynamic that is uh, not as you might have expected it to be? Um, so far, Mark, I think, uh, thankfully, we don't observe conflicts rising because of nationalities, per se, within any crew. Um, you know, I think uh, the, the challenge which is also helping us here is the hierarchy, right? Because, you know, in every ship there is a clear hierarchy which is established. There is very strict reporting lines established within those hierarchies, though sometimes it is not useful, you know, because especially when it comes to well-being, sometimes that is not useful. But especially when about multiculture or you know, different languages or different uh, countries and people who come from various places, we haven't seen any sort of direct uh, effect on um, or different challenges arising out of that. But I think uh, the fundamental nature, which is kind of causing the biggest issue for us is uh, isolation, right? Because, you know, I think many, everybody's talking about it. Nowadays, people don't even talk to each other a lot, even on the ship, because the minute they finish whatever they have to do, they go back to the cabins with their cell phones, accessing internet. So that isolation is the sort of, you know, starting point of many, many issues. Uh, I wouldn't uh, put a lot of emphasis on the cultural or the international nature of the crew. It's more about how people are behaving on their own. And how do you break that barrier is kind of where we are seeing Fantastic, Great. incredible. Um, as we start to sort of wrap up, as we go into sort of the last last round of questions, um, Andrew, you know, from your side, if you were to, you know, address the the floor here, as it were, and and look out at the floor and ask people, um, what is what is your ask in relation to the charities and the charitable work? What would you like to tell the shipping community that you'd like to see from them, both in terms of continuing to do something, but perhaps also something new. Oh, well, I would like to say, I mean, obviously, I'd like to make that point I made before that we could, none of us could do our work without a partnership and with the shipping industry. And the language I often use is that we are effectively, we are a service deliverer for the shipping industry. You know, one, one, one captain said to me, um, you're a good, happy seafarers are good seafarers, happy seafarers are safe seafarers, you make seafarers happy. <laughs> and I mean, it's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but essentially that's what we are doing. And of course we run our happiness index, which is designed to just look at that, to measure the happiness of seafarers. So we are a service deliverer alongside others. Um, but of course we are voluntary organizations um, and we do and we do need the funding of the of the maritime sector in order to be able to function so that would certainly be one ask we need those partnerships and uh, I 
with Catherine applaud this new re the relief fund? I mean, sometimes people say to us, you know, why aren't you guys all working together? Well, of course, we do work together in many ways, but the new fund is a very concrete expression. It's long overdue that there should be an emergency fund that the shipping industry can come together and call on in times of crisis, for example, following um, typhoon in Philippines or whatever it will. So it's, we now have that capacity, which is great. Beyond beyond that financial side, you know, and 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 the and the plea to recognise the significance of what we of the part we play in in, in seafarers' well-being, is really I think that point around resilience. We look very much we look forward very much to working with the industry, all parts of the industry, in in supporting seafarers and building. Uh, and, and, and playing our part in building that resilience into the future. And I think that could be one of the great legacies uh, of, of, um, of what's happened. Uh, and again, it's been a great privilege to join with others in this tremendous unity in the shipping industry and in coming together to tackle the problems of the pandemic. And again, I hope that that will be one of the great, another of the great legacies going forward. If we can hold that then you know we will have made big progress. So I think there's been a bottom line. There's been a tremendous sense of unity and partnership, and that would be if we can keep that going uh, in all these areas going forward. That would be absolutely wonderful. Fantastic. And Catherine, turning turning to you, obviously it's um, it's it's a new era in terms of the, the Seafarers Charity and and uh, the branding and the identity that you that you've got around that. And your website has some some really inf interesting information. I think it's around Thrive, is it that your um, uh, your initiative that you that you've got the new sort of the objectives that you've got. Oh, our strategic yeah, our strategic outcomes. Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that um, we can more clearly define what we're delivering on. So that is in areas such as working at sea, health and safety. Um, and you've caught me off guard there, Mark, without <laughs> in front of me. Um, but uh, yeah, we wanted to make sure that we're much more accountable. Um, and also, I think we were a, we were perhaps a more reactive charity. And now we want to make sure that we're far more proactive. Um, and in fact, some of I think in terms of that relationship between the charities and between the industry moving forward, I think. Um, Obviously, fundraising is really important, but it's also about understanding what all the all the different services that your people have access through the charity sector, which is actually immense. Um, and of course, we have Andrew, whose whose people do an amazing job. Um, but there are also other services. No, more re most recently, we've just supported a service called Safer Waves, which is for people to report sexual harassment at sea, um, and that's that's a new service. We've also supported Befrienders Worldwide, which is also um, a, te um, a telephone service for people that are feeling suicidal. So there are a whole range of services that seafarers can access. So I think it would be great if we can make sure that shipping organisations are telling their people about these many different services that are available to them. And of course, as well as corporate fundraising, it would be great as well if we could see um, our seafarers and people working in the maritime industry donating back to uh, charities like the Seafarers Charity and of course Mission to Seafarers um, through payroll giving, for example. That's fantastic. And yes, I, I, I can certainly say that in, in our world, um, whenever we do have fundraising, we, we like to try to match uh, an organizational 
uh, amount raised with, with the corporate amount raised. And I think many other companies out there do that. And we include the, the seafarers in that. And uh, certainly from what we see, there's a very charitable element out there at sea. And speaking as a former ex-seafarer myself, I can certainly say, say that, you know, that's a very important encouragement that, that I can um, pass on to, to the other ship owners who might be listening in. Vishnu, as we wrap up with the last few moments there, um, is there is there anything that you'd particularly like to to make a point about the the um, the system that you've got and, and how ship managers are taking this responsibility very seriously? Yeah, no, I think Mark, um, what we are seeing is that a future where every seafarer is almost like a wellness ambassador. They at least know what to look out for as signs, you know, because there is enough material, enough. Uh, knowledge on what signs actually lead to suicidal tendencies, what signs lead to depression, what signs lead to, you know, causing harm to others. As long as every seafarer is able to wear that lens and say, I know exactly what this means, I can step in and help this person. I think that's kind of where we really want to go. And again, I cannot emphasize more on what Andrew and Kathleen were saying is, partnership. We cannot see this in isolation by saying, oh, this is a service run by this organization for this group of people. No, we all need to come together and say any seafarer anywhere in the world, anybody who's suicidal, anybody who needs help should be able to access it. And we really need to stop this needless isolation, needless suicides around the shipping industry. So that's kind of, you know, where we are going. And we all I think we all are in a very good place to do this and we all are already in the path because this pandemic has taught us to collaborate a lot more than before, in my opinion. Fantastic. Um, there is a question, perhaps, if we just have time to slip it in. There was a question from Peter Swift around uh, the multitude of problems that COVID-19 have presented for seafarers over the past months, but we've not yet done enough to support their families and how can we address this? I think that's a great question because, and certainly that's what the Seafair International Relief Fund is there to do, is to help the families and to acknowledge that while seafarers may be away at sea, at sea and um, certainly the, the role of the seafarer in the family unit is, is very often a, a senior representative, um, the families at home need someone to step in and provide that support. And certainly that's what SURF has, has been aimed at doing. Um, and I think, you know, if, based on some of the feedback that I've seen, um, they really have tried to step in to help the families. But the point is well made that it, it is very often a broader need than just the individual uh, represented at sea. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's right, Mark. And again, I, I think I'd go back here to in encouraging um, shipping companies to make sure that families are aware of access that they can support through the charitable sector as well, to ensure that they know how to reach out when they do need help, um, so that you don't have families who are in isolation. And then of course, the other really key factor, and I say this as an, as a, an army spouse who's spent many months uh, alone, um, is, uh, is communication, is improve, where possible improving access to communication. Um, I mean, of course, there are pluses and minuses to communication, uh, for this, particularly for the seafarer. But I think um, being able to contact your seafarer and understand that they're okay uh, is key. Um, and I guess the other thing which I have heard um, happening is that making sure that when seafarers are at home, that they do get that time 
with the seafarer at home and that they're not doing courses um, so that their time on land is time with their family. Thank you very much. And Nicholas, thank you very much once again. I'm just pleased that my dogs didn't start barking and set Andrew's dogs off because we could have heard, had a very different outcome if uh, we let the dogs take over. But uh, thank you, Nicholas, and thank you all for your Thank you very much to all of you. I have to say that uh, it's really heartwarming to hear about the great efforts being made to alleviate culture, uh, and especially in a line of work that incurs immense complexity, difficulty, and anxiety and over a prolonged period of time. And I'd like to conclude by, besides thanking you all and Mark for moderating this, I think the BIMCO video that you must have all seen, it's really, it's a very powerful, very moving. And I think you get out of it how difficult that job is under normal circumstances. Rather, I, I would say three things, how important that job is, how difficult it is, and then how even more difficult it becomes when you add to it the stress of the prolonged stay on board. So uh, again, congratulations for the efforts that you are doing on your part to, to alleviate stress and uh, thank you so much. And we are humbled and delighted to uh, be able to, to help if we can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.